were talking about, you know, kind of talking more into those finances of what it takes to be financially stable. We talk about not just the feeding, not just the lights and the electricity building, but there's also a payroll. Holly Ball helps in all that financial area. And I know that there, that's kind of where the term that said, let's wait till Monday. Part of that story, right? right. And uh, so I think what you're talking about is somewhere along the line, after we opened up, we started seeing $10,000 gifts coming into the Hope Center. And that's not a small gift. You know, when you think about 10,000 and I saw a couple of them come through and I, I wasn't, I guess I, it, it intrigued me that someone was willing to give us that kind of gift and we wanted to be good stewards of it. But after I saw several more, I began to think, I wonder if there's something significant about 10,000 in the pages of scripture. Uh, I've always been into numerology and I just love numbers. And I, I just want to realize that like seven, Dave had on his license plate, seven, 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 because it was the perfect number. He loved seven, right? So he, he just wanted to be part of God's perfect plan and all that. And so uh, three is like the Trinity. And so there's all kinds of different nu- numerology and scripture. And so I, thought, I wonder if there's anything to do with 10,000. And so 10 really is a combination of three, which is your Godhead and seven, which is perfect. So it's like perfect God moment. And then thousand is like God's complete number. So, so often when we talk in scripture, it's kind of like the unlimited number of God. It's like, it says there's 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000. So it's kind of like numbers greater than you and I can fathom and understand. And it's kind of what they're just throwing out these numbers of 10,000 because it's kind of a divine completion of what God is wanting to do. And so when I saw that, I thought, my goodness, 10,000 is like divine provision. It's kind of like God's stamp of saying, I'm going to take care of your needs and I'm going to meet the needs of the Hope Center. And I just began to believe that and claim that, right? And so one day when we first were getting started, then um, I came into the hallway and Holly met me in the hallway and she's our CPA. And so she said, hey, pastor, she said, payroll's due tomorrow. And she didn't need to say any more because I knew what she was saying. Payroll's due tomorrow and there's not enough money in the account right. today, right? So what are you going to do about that? So anyway, I um, thought, okay. So I had an appointment. So I was headed to my appointment. And on my way to the appointment, I said, hey, Lord, your payroll's due tomorrow. So what are you going to do about that? Because it is your ministry and it's your payroll. So what are you going to do about that? And so... All the way down there, I was just kind of thinking about that, right? And then on the way home from my appointment, I began to play God with a little G because we do that as leaders sometimes. You know, I, th- I was thinking, what can I do? What can I give? What can I do to make it happen? How can I make payroll happen? Who can I call? Who can give me a gift to make sure that I get payroll on Friday paid, right? And so I'm thinking about this on the way back. And so I walk into the Hope Center and I'm met in the hallway by Sarah Wiesel. And Sarah has an envelope in her hand, and she said, hey, Pastor, uh, the gentleman who had mailed this had asked if I would open it because he was concerned whether he put his check in there or not. And uh, so she said, I opened it, his check was in there, and I called him and said, yeah, you, you mailed it. And so she handed it to me. I went over and sat down on my chair, and I opened it up, and it was a, it was a check for $10,000. And so it was like the Lord was saying, have you checked your mail 
today because you're it's already there you know you just check your mail and so uh, it made our payroll and that was on like Wednesday so Friday I came into the office again and and went to my mailbox and inside the mailbox was another envelope from the same gentleman who just sent us a check for ten thousand dollars and so I sat down my in my chair and I opened up the envelope and inside that envelope was another check for ten thousand dollars and I thought oh my I wonder if he's confused because he called about whether he put the check in the envelope or not. So maybe he thought he didn't and he needed to send another check because he wanted to make sure we got it. So I said to David, I said, hey, Dave, won't you email this gentleman and make sure that was his intent? If it was not his intent to give two checks, then we'll make sure that we send this check back or we'll tear it up, whatever he wants us to do with it. So he did. Dave emailed him and said, hey, we got another check for $10,000. We just wanted to make sure that was your intention. And so about two or three hours later, we got an email from this gentleman. He said, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And so we were elated about those 10,000 kind of moments, right? And so then we began to see these $10,000 gifts just going to keep flowing into the center. And uh, so I w- would go to a place and I would share it. Let me share with you about what God's doing about these $10,000 gifts. And so sometimes there would be different ministries there, right? And so other nonprofits, and they would say to me, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? <laughs> pray for us. So we can <laughs> We'd get a, like a $10,000 gift. $10,000 gift. And so I would pray for these other ministries, right? And so some of them began to get these $10,000 gifts. And then I would be sharing those stories, and individuals would come, and they'd say, hey, will you pray for me? And so in the beginning, I would pray for them, but they wouldn't get it, right? So <laughs> I finally said, individuals, it doesn't work for you. But for nonprofits and ministries, it seems to be working for them, but it doesn't always work. And so I had gone to uh, a board meeting for World Renewal International, and a uh, great organization that really puts missionaries and projects of the field before their own general fund needs and have for years. I mean, that's just their heart. That's their passion. And so when I was at their board meeting that year, we were sitting there listening to reports of missionaries around the world and uh, hearing their stories and all that was done. At the end of the day, we had a couple hours to talk about World Renewal International and their budget and where we were and all that. And so we were about $20,000 short for the year. And so uh, we were just talking about trying to make that shortfall up before the end of the year. And as I was sitting there, I just felt like the Lord said, it's time to just pray over this. I mean, come on. And so I said to the board, could I share with you a couple stories? And so I began to share the stories about 10,000. And this happened, and we received a 10,000. And this happened, and we received a $10,000 gift. And I said, what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring the president of the organization up here, and I'd like to put him in this chair, and I'd like for all of us to gather around him, put our hands on him, and I'm going to give him the gift a favor that God has put on the Hope Center, and I wanted to go to his ministry. And one of the things I learned early on in my life is you never lack what you give away. And so I thought, I'll give it away because God will just keep blessing us with more, right? So I'm going to give this away. So we placed our hands on him. We prayed that God would somehow give a couple $10,000 gifts to make this go away as far as hit their shortfall. And so that was on a Thursday. On a Saturday morning, I got a text from the president of the world, uh, from World Renewal, and he said, I just got a gift for $10,000. And so I was just like, oh, this is so good. This is too good to be true kind of a thing, right? It's just amazing that God is showing that kind of favor and blessing. And so I was rejoicing. And so then I came into the center the following Saturday, and I went into my office, and I noticed I had another text from this gentleman. And he said, hey, I just want you to know I just got another check for $10,000. And so I was so excited 
that they had just got two checks for $10,000. I thought, I've got to call him. I've just got to call him. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, so I, I call him up. And so we were rejoicing together about what God's doing. And he said, yeah, you know, there was a missionary in the room that day when you shared about that story and prayed over me. He just got a check for $10,000. And so it was kind of like one of those moments when I began to realize that God's provision is amazing. And if we just trust in that, we began to see some of that. So uh, I came back here to the center and I just was thinking about carrying that $10,000 blessing on into the new year, right? So we're coming to the end of the year. We sure don't want this to stop. We want this to keep going. And so there was another ministry that was sitting here and they said, hey, pastor, will you pray for us so we can receive a gift for $10,000? And so I just prayed for this this uh, ministry. And so I had a lunch appointment here in Indianapolis. And so I went to meet this couple for uh, coffee. And so we're sitting at the table. And I was basically just trying to give them a little update about the Hope Center and kind of all the things that God was doing here at the center. And so we sat there for about a half an hour or so. And then finally, the gentleman just kind of reached into his billfold and took out a check. He had already made out this check and he handed it to me. And when he handed it to me, I looked at it and it was for $10,000. And I said to him, do you know what God's doing with $10,000 at the Hope Center? He said, no, what? And so I told him the story about all these $10,000 gifts. And as I was sharing the story with him, him and his wife sat there and they just, their eyes filled with tears because they were so excited that they listened to God. God wanted them to give us a $10,000 gift, and that's exactly what they gave us. And so I began to realize that God was using people, and he was helping them to understand and even hear his voice about the gifts that they were giving and why that they were giving it. And so Dave and I then began to pray for a $110,000 gift. So he said to me one day, Dad, let's just pray for a hundred. And that's kind of way he is. This, we're going to pray for a hundred. That's a million. We're going to pray it in. And uh, so I said, hey, that sounds great. Let's just go for it, right? So we began to pray for for that. And so as of today uh, of, of this uh, podcast, counting the gifts that we know that people received, that we prayed for, that they would receive the $10,000 gifts, we are at 82 $10,000 gifts here at the center. So that's wow. miraculous to us. And we're on our way to 100. We're going to get there. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to get there, but uh, who knows? It may be by the first of the year, we'll end up getting to our goal of 100. And then we'll ask God to give us another 100. How's that sound? Because, you know, it comes in and goes out about as fast as it comes in because the needs are great. And, and uh, that's why I always share with people, you got 10,000 this week and 10,000 last week. And I said, yeah, and we need 10 more of those 10,000s every week almost. So, um, but that's part of how God's providing and meeting the needs. And so I think the joy of it for us is to see answers to prayer and, and his faithfulness. And we often say that God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. And so sometimes we say, Hey God, you need to sell some cattle and send us a check. <laughs> you know, so, and he has, right. He, he's, he's done some of that right. for us and that's been good. He, he owns all the silver and the gold. And sometimes we have to have a little gold. So send us some of it to know that God provides and, and to see answers to prayers is such a, an encouragement. And I think as people come on tours and walk through the building and hear these faith stories, that's really part of our core values is faith building. And this place really is a faith building ministry where Absolutely. it causes us to realize that God is real and powerful. He hears and answers prayer. He's interacting in the lives of people and he's doing miracles just so you can see that he's showing off, right? And so that was one of the things that David always said to me was, Dad, God just loves showing off by answering prayer at the center. 
And that's so true, you know, and we see some of that and it's beautiful to see. And, and I've been in ministry all my life and I've never seen those kind of moments like we've seen here at the center. It's been uh, miraculous. And because of that, you know, it just causes us to believe for more. Well, so maybe we'll have you pray over our producer for our podcast <laughs> before you leave. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure he could use a $10,000 gift. Use the $10, so we've talked about the program. Just for example, we've had a lady, she's come in. She's been with you guys for 15 months, and then what? So she graduates our program, and she moves into Hope Community, which is a two-year transitional program that you help create here on campus, which we are so grateful for. Today, Lori Pollard helps oversee that. And uh, so in this program, they continue to work on goals. Uh, They continue to make sure they're going to a recovery program. They're still trying to meet with sponsors and mentors, Uh, They are really trying to continue to work a program while they're actually being able to work off campus and go out and get a job and begin to do that. So once they hit Hope Community, we often say they have to have a rental record. So we do charge them something to be on that floor. And uh, we realize that that's something they also need to learn. That's something that the world's not free. When they go out there, they're going to have to have Uh, They're going to have to pay their rent and they're going to have to have a car and pay for the gas and all the things that hopefully they're learning through financial literacy. But uh, it just helps them to begin to take uh, small steps toward that and enable them to be part of a family there on Hope Community, but uh, continually working on some of the things that we feel like really would be helpful for them to transition back out. So uh, right now, I mean, when I look at Hope Community, it, it really is an encouragement to me because we really see these ladies coming from either Hope, uh, our program, Take Heart Residential or Grace House, and being part of that and realizing these ladies are doing really well. And, of course, we still do drug uh, tests. We do all the things you have to do because we realize that these are some of the areas that they're battling with. But uh, as we oversee that and helping them with their goals is what we're wanting to accomplish. So. Yeah, I think in the beginning, one of our struggles was when the ladies graduated, um, they, it was kind of like, okay, what now? And so they were ending up in the same economically challenged areas with no rental history and no employment history. So Hope Community was created to help combat some of that. Um, but moving forward, you know, I, I, we've talked about all these different programs and all these ministries, and there's so much that has been accomplished that God has done here on this campus in such a short period of time. Um, but if somebody came up to you and they said, Pastor, I want to get involved. I want to, I want to, I want to be part of this. Um, what do you tell them? So we have that almost every day, right? So right. that's kind of a good thing. And the neat thing is you can actually go to Hope Center Indy, uh, our webpage, and we have a volunteer area there where they can click on and it brings it up and they can fill out a volunteer application. And then once that comes back to us, within 72 hours, they should be hearing from us, but it also gives them next steps. These are the next things you need to do to be able to volunteer at the Hope Center. And so as they walk through those next steps, it continues to speed up the opportunity for them. And so then we interview them because we want to know why do you want to be here and in what area would you like to serve? A lot of times most people want to work with the women, but that's probably not the situation that they need to be in. You know, we all kind of want to be their friend. We all want to love on them. We all know they've got difficulties and hurts and pains, but 
the chance of people actually filling those roles in the beginning is not very good. They need to be here for a while, right. and go through some trauma classes themselves, be able to go through training, go through the different things like that so that they can feel prepared and equipped because uh, they're going to see things and face things that maybe would also kind of stir their hearts and maybe even bring up some trauma of their own life if they've had some experiences. So we want to make sure that they're uh, healthy and they're able to be part of those kind of ministries. But there is just so much here on campus. Uh, many times when people ask me, what do you need? I just say, what do you want to do? Because <laughs> we, have do? So, right. we have every need here on campus because it's just such a big ministry. And there's so many things people can do from, you know, cleaning the building to uh, financial oversight and volunteerism or being part of ministries or carpentry or building projects or whatever it might be. I mean, there is just so much that we need here that when when we say, what do you want to do? People can look at me like, are you serious? Because we really could probably put you in every area. I think about electricians and plumbers and all right. the, I was the, about skilled, that. the skilled labor people. You know, we just so desperately need those people to come on board to be part of who we are. And we would love to have some retirees, you know, that are electricians and plumbers. And, and because those are some of the areas that we do have to hire out if we don't actually have those skilled trades coming into our building. And so it would just save us a lot of money. And th those funds then can filter back into the ministry and, and work with people and helping people change their lives. So I think people, when they think about, you know, a shelter for trafficking survivors, they instantly think, oh, I should be a female to, to volunteer there. But that's not true. We actually have a huge need for men also. And security is another uh, is another opportunity. We have a huge security staff here. So yeah, security and they're just like, like you said, just so much um, yeah. from computer skills and IT and right. just all the different areas. If people are good in those areas, I mean, we can use them here because we're all the time trying to make our fun our building function better and, and working in those different areas, even lawn care and landscaping. Sure. I mean, good night, 26 acres of mowing and, right. and just, you know, there's just so much mow, here, you mowing. know, and the botanical prayer garden If people love to weed eat and, and flowers and just people coming on board to be part of just keeping our campus beautiful. And that's really neat. I think when people drive on this campus, one of the things they say is it's just so well kept from the outside and people look at that and they, it's impressive, you know, and we say this, uh, one of our core values is quality inspires hope. And we didn't want to use the word excellence because it kind of gets overdone sometime, right. but it really is a sense that people are proud to be part of something that's done well. And that's what we want. We want it to be done well, and we, we need a lot of people to help us to do that. Right, and it doesn't have to be individuals. We have groups that come in, so we've mentioned that in some of our earlier podcasts that you could be a, a church group, you could be just a family, it could be, you know, you and your girlfriends or you and your guy friends get together, colleges, any kind of group can come in. And, and Absolutely. We've seen it all from high school youth groups to college groups and even fraternities. They'll, they'll come in, basketball teams, I mean, right. football teams, basketball teams, all kinds of teams that comes from the different uh, colleges in the area to come over to serve and help out businesses local businesses they will bring their teams for work days community service all the different things and so you know without those people uh, we wouldn't be here and they uh, you know I used that used to be part of what I did was work with the group volunteers and I heard over and over and over again how much it meant to the people that were volunteering um, it's just not what we get out of it it's not just what is you know, the, the center itself receives, but it's that time together and the quality that they get out of the days. Yeah. One of the things we would like it, 
not just to be work, right? Because they come to work, they come to do a project, but we do want it to be fun and to have fellowship with those that they are working with. And so it's been our experience and when they're from a fairly large company that they may not even know the person down the hallway. Uh, they may run into them in the hallway, but as far as having real interaction with them, they don't have a lot of interaction. So especially if the company is four or 5,000 people. So right. for them to come here and spend a day with somebody they don't really know, it's kind of like a great thing for them to get to know some of the colleagues and spend time and try to make it fun. And we try to give it vision as well because we want them to go on tours. We want them to understand who we are, why we do what we do. And it really helps them to buy in, to understand that this is a cause that they want to be part of. And so they're volunteering that day, whatever it was, whether it was painting or cleaning or creating something here on campus, it's for a greater cause. And that is to change the lives of these ladies and give them a new beginning. It's also about education, that we're getting more information about trafficking out into the public. Yes. The awareness factor is huge for us when it comes to these groups coming through and helping them to see and be, uh, to understand that it's around them and to have eyes to begin to look for. So that's the volunteer portion of it. You can also donate. So I know there's in-kind donations. Uh, one of them fuels our boutique and our thrift store. So we take women's is it women's clothing. Right. And then you can also um, donate, of course, funds. We always we always can take funds. So let me ask you this. Here's we can take more $10,000 gifts, <laughs> no problem. We, you more know, of those move 10, us, move we've us got more to give. To, to right. our goal. Yeah, that's right. So if I were to ask you right now, if I had unlimited funds, if I, if I said, Pastor, how much do you need me to write a check for, and what are you going to use it for? What would be your 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 biggest wish that you have to see this move forward? There's several. So <laughs> I think the first one I would say was probably we need about two and a half million to purchase our campus and to get that behind us because what that would do for us is it would really free up about uh, eighty five thousand dollars a year that we're paying for lease, and um, that goes right back into the general fund. And then all the improvements that we're doing to the campus, you know, that helps us to feel like at one point in time, if the Lord tarries, then it'll be a beautiful place for someone to continue to do ministry here on campus. So uh, I think that would be the first. The second one, maybe uh, building three and realizing that we would love to build it out. It's about 70,000 square feet that we could build uh, apartments for women with children that could stay in our program, bring their children with them back into the program then, and work off campus, begin to do some of those things, do some manufacturing there in that area, create some jobs, more opportunity for other ministries to partner with us as far as ministry uh, offices and some of that. So that's a big um that is undertaking. A big, that is a big So job. you can just imagine 70,000 square feet, what that would cost, but it's millions. And so, but we're, we're just thinking and praying about that. Our three-year goal was to put plans together for that. So we can at least look at a, a set of plans and say, this is what we'd like to do with this building. And then begin to think about how to fund that and make that happen. So, um, yeah, just a couple of those big items. And then as we move forward, you know, just thinking about maybe an auditorium, an educational center here on campus where other people could come and ministry could happen outside of the residential area. So if we wanted to hold a seminar and talk about human trafficking, if we wanted to bring uh, people from all over the U.S. into a seminar where they could learn about how to create a ministry like this, that we would have an auditorium and a place where we could do that kind of training. And so it would be an exciting part of that. Yeah, there's not a lot of training right now. The Gina Colclazer and Mary Nolan both just went to Baltimore yep. to Good Samaritan. They're one of the few ones that do the 
trafficking shelter. program training. So yeah, shelter care. And so there's just so little being done, honestly, in America and around the world. So uh, for us to kind of pioneer some of this and begin to work in these areas and then to have a track record of years behind you so that people could come here, take tours, see what's being done. I think it really does encourage them. We have people come through on tours all the time who are wanting to do something in this area. And so my encouragement to them is come here and see what we're doing, learn what we're doing, and see what you think about how to create that wherever you're going to be. So whether it's in another state, if it's downstate, it's in a different county, whatever it might be, you know, when the attorney general came through and, and did the tour, he, before he left, turned and, and he said to me, let's do this in every city. And so really a hope center in every city could actually be something that would be uh, impactful. It could make an eternal difference in the lives of people and their community. And so there is so much to be done and we just need to figure out how we can encourage people to continue to have the faith and the vision to do these kind of things. So we can start right now by asking all of our listeners to start praying for us. That's right. All right. Well, it's been awesome hanging out with you and recording and uh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Um, there are a couple ways that people can learn more about it. One is they can show up on Saturdays. Yes. They can take a tour. That's at 1030 on Saturdays, every Saturday here at the Hope Center. Yes. And on Thursday nights at 530 with Sarah Wiesel. So Sarah does the Thursday night tour and I do the Saturday morning. But we realize that sometimes Saturdays are a busy time for families with young children, especially when it comes to sports and all the things that they've got going on. So some. Sometimes a Thursday night's good, 5.30, and then they are able to still get out of here by 7 and get back, get home. So uh, whatever works best is what we'd like to provide and see how it would fit each family. And then even more than that, there is a very, uh, to get into some of the details, because we've, we've barely had a few hours to sit here and record this, but there's so much more to share. And you have actually been working on a book. Yes. And so really, you know, one of the things I began to think about doing uh, over the last few years is to kind of caption and write down some of the God stories of the Hope Center and how it began to come together. And so through that process, um, as I was reading about people who wrote books, I, I came across this one author and he said, this, he said, uh, don't write the book, pray the book. And I thought, man, that's so true. That's kind of what we've done here at the center. We haven't really written this book. We've prayed the book. And then I thought about that a little bit more, you know, don't write the book, pray the book. And then I thought, no, don't write the book, live the book. And so we've really lived this book. It's uh, our story. It really is our everyday walk here at the center is about what God has done in the hearts and lives of people and how he orchestrated it and brought it together and partnered us with people. And so we're looking forward to that. We've turned it over to the editor and they will be getting back their uh, comments on the f first go around. And then we'll do some more critiquing and editing and, and rewriting, I'm sure. And then from that, hopefully get it back to them for one final uh, phase. And then uh, from that to the printer. So we are hoping that the book itself will be a giving engine back into the center. So all the proceeds for the book will come right back and help these ladies. And it's another way in which we can somehow, I think, share the incredible God story of the Hope Center, but also to be able to help fund it as well. So have you come up with the name? So we're still thinking about it, uh, but one of them is uh, A Door of Hope in the Valley of Despair. And when I think about that, that's kind of true of our lives when it came to death, uh, David's death and finding that door of hope to continue the Hope Center and then also where these ladies are coming from. 
to be able to find a door of hope from the, the life of despair that maybe they were living in and to be able to walk through that door into a new life. So we've talked about that, but I think it has some real legs. And so we'll see if that's what the cover ends up being. But there's a, a lot of truth when it comes to hope in this place. And, and that's kind of what we're wanting to focus on. Well, I can't wait to read it. it it's going to be great. And again, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out to share your story and I'm sure we'll have you back on again soon. Well, thank you guys. It's been great to be here with you and to be able to share this. So hopefully it'll be uh, insightful and helpful for people who are listening and thank everybody for listening and being part of Hope Center podcast. And, and hopefully in the future, if they'd like, they can come and do a podcast themselves and tell their story about what God's doing. That's kind of the, what we'd like to see happen here at the Hope Center podcast where people can come and share their God stories and how God's working. And who knows, maybe you and I can set and be blessed by others as they share their uh, wonderful journeys as well.